Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 cast with their hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Tita. Take it away, Mike. Yep. So today, even though that uh, we had a Cyclones bye week this week, we are still going to open the show with some uh, college football talk. I apologize for my voice. I think I'm getting a little bit sick here, but we're going to power through it and we're going to uh, start with some college football talk. Biggest uh, story of the day was probably uh, Purdue's big uh, upset on Saturday night over Ohio State. Purdue just looked dominant in that game. They were leading pretty much from start to finish against for that game against Ohio State. It was a really uh, good atmosphere in, in West Lafayette, Indiana for that game. Purdue stormed the field after the game. That was fun. No word yet if... Uh, Purdue is going to get fined for that uh, field storm like Iowa State did. I mean, maybe maybe the Big 12 will, will swoop in and like, uh, Big 12, you're not doing, or Big 10, you're not doing your job. you got to find people for storming the field. So uh, who knows? We'll uh, wait to see about that. But it certainly uh, shakes up the uh, college football playoff picture, that Ohio State loss. I think uh, it means that uh, Michigan, coming off the heels of their big win over Michigan State, is probably the uh, best team in the Big Ten now, at least as far as chances to make the college football playoff. Penn State did not look good at all against, uh, uh, shoot, Indiana. Yeah, that's who they played. Did not look good at all against Indiana. So I think definitely uh, Michigan is the uh, Big Ten's best chance to put a team in the college football playoff. I don't know what you think about that, Kyle. I would also have to agree. I think Michigan has the best shot. Uh, The only thing that will cause chaos is the showdown between Michigan and Ohio State come the end of the season. You mean the game? The game. Is that what they call it or is that Army-Navy? I always forget. The game? Yeah. I think that's the Army-Navy game. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I'm wrong. But I think it'll come down to... Ohio State, Michigan. I don't think Ohio State is going to lose another game until that game. But you didn't I'm not think they were going to lose this game. I, I, yes, yes. I didn't think I didn't see this as a loss on their schedule. But you know, there's a lot of teams who didn't see a loss on their schedule going into a an away game at a team that they should beat easily. <clears throat> West Virginia. Um, <laughs> And we took it to him, Iowa State being the we in that factor. But yeah, Purdue Go Cyclones. Purdue played really well and uh you have to credit everything that they did, their whole game plan scheme. They just ran away with that football game towards the end of the game specifically. Ohio State just never had a chance to catch up and get back into that game. Um but as far as the playoff picture, I think the Big Ten took a big hit with that one. I think Ohio State is the best team in that conference. I'm not sure Michigan is that top-tier team. I still don't think that they have a starting quarterback that can take them to the playoff and take them to a championship. I think Shea Patterson is a very good quarterback, a talented quarterback. Um, he transferred from Ole Miss to Michigan, but I just don't see him as that top-tier quarterback like, uh, what's that guy's name? Dwayne Haskins for Ohio State. I think he is a top-tier quarterback. He's not. He's definitely not in the realm of Tua at Alabama right now, who is just going off. Um, that's a different story. But I, I do believe that Michigan is probably the Big Ten's best shot at this point, unless Ohio State 
goes undefeated for the rest of the season and knocks off Michigan slash wins the Big Big Ten championship at the end of the season as well. So you're saying Michigan would have to win out to be able to go to the to the playoff? You think they'd have to beat Ohio State I and think, beat either Wisconsin or Iowa in the Big Ten championship I game? I think they will have to. I, I don't see a one-loss Michigan team making it in. They, they already have one or loss. Or a two-loss Michigan team. Sorry, they do have one loss. I don't see them making it in. Um, I don't really see a loss on Notre Dame's schedule. I think Notre Dame has a chance to go undefeated, and I do believe that Notre Dame is going to make it into the college football playoff this this season, I think Alabama has a very solid chance of making the college football playoff. This is obviously speculation at this point, but for right now, Tua is lighting lighting it on fire. 25 touchdowns to zero interceptions so far. He, correct me if I'm wrong, but you mentioned this stat, Mike. He hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in the fourth quarter yet. I didn't mention that. Oh, you that. didn't I mention that? Okay. I don't know who told you that, but it wasn't me. I, I can't remember if I saw that or not, but... He hasn't had to play much in the fourth quarter at all. Jalen Hurts comes in because they're already winning by at least 30 points in the fourth quarter. Um, so I think Alabama's the undisputed number one team in college football right now. And I I guess I'm going to have to choose between Washington and Washington State for the Pac-12 right now. Um, maybe Stanford if they are able to keep winning, but the Pac-12 looks a little muddled. So Yeah, I don't think the Pac-12 has that good of a chance of sending anybody to the college football playoff. With or- I thought Oregon was their best chance, but then when they fell uh, on the road to Washington State yesterday or on Saturday, I really uh, I really think that might have been the nail in the coffin for the for the uh, Pac-12 getting a team in the playoff. I mean, it could still happen if, I think if best, weird things happen. Their best other- shot might be Washington. And they only have one loss, but that Apple Cup game is going to be big between Washington and Washington State towards the end of the season. Um, and, yeah, I just I, – the, the Pac-12 might be in trouble, um, especially if Notre Dame keeps winning. They're going to take a Power 5 spot away from somebody this year, which means potentially two Power 5 conferences might not have a representative in the playoff Um to the ACC, I think Clemson is playing really well right now. Um, they demolished NC State this weekend, another top 25 team. And really the only obstacle to a spot in the ACC championship game. So Clemson is virtually assured a spot in the ACC championship game at this point. Have they played Virginia Tech yet? Do they play Virginia Tech? Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll look that up and see if they play Virginia Tech because that might be their only other obstacle that they face. Florida State obviously is um, nowhere near what they used to be. I don't know if they have to play Miami either this season, but I think they're almost a shoe-in for the ACC championship game again this year. They don't have to play Virginia Tech or Miami this year. So they're they're going to the ACC championship game, um, and I believe that they will probably make it out of that ACC championship game into the playoff as well. I think they're playing really well. Brett Venerables has a solid defense again this year for Clemson, locking people down. I I don't see them losing two games. Maybe they'll get upset like Ohio State did to Purdue, but I don't see them losing two games. I think they'll make the playoff. The Big 12, we'll see how things shake out. I think Oklahoma and Texas are the best shot right now. Um, I don't 
think that West Virginia is the bit is the best shot um, with their loss against Iowa State. Now, if Iowa State continue to continues to win and they're ranked at some point, then maybe that might look like a better loss, but doesn't look like a good loss to them right now. So I think Oklahoma and Texas, Texas having the edge, having beat Oklahoma in the Red River Red River rivalry, that is a tongue twister. I think Texas has the edge in the Big Twelve for the time being. Yeah. Even though West Virginia might be out of it, I still think the two most important games coming down the stretch in the Big 12 are going to be two games West Virginia is going to play in, and that's when they uh, play Oklahoma and Texas later this year. I think that uh, those two games are going to be the uh, two biggest games as far as the key to determining uh, who's going to end up in the uh, Big 12 championship game on December 1st. Right. Texas obviously has the upper hand as the only team in the conference without a uh, loss in conference. But Texas, uh, but West Virginia still plays both Oklahoma and Texas, which can be an interesting wild card to see uh, to see how that's going to shake out. But I think those are the two biggest games remaining in the Big 12 schedule period for any team in determining who goes to the Big 12 championship game. And maybe even when you're talking about Oklahoma, Texas, and West Virginia, who, if any of them, end up in the college football playoff even. If Oklahoma can keep winning out, right, if they end up in the playoff, maybe Texas can end up in the playoff too. It'll be really interesting to see how those two games shake out here over the next month. West Virginia does have to travel to Austin in two weeks. On November 3rd, they will play the Longhorns in Austin, and they will wrap up their season. Their season finale is at home against Oklahoma. Um, So I do believe that that last game of the season might be for, might have potential Big 12 championship implications depending on how, what happens against Texas and how Texas plays against um, other teams and how the rest of their schedule plays out. But I think those three teams are really the front runners in the Big 12 and have the best chance at the college football playoff, but I would give the edge to uh, Texas and Oklahoma at this point. Yeah, I think uh, think you have to. So, Kyle, you've been telling me uh, all week that you're uh, you're upset about something, but you haven't been filling me in on what you're upset about. You've just been kind of being upset. What 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 are you upset about? I've been upset I've been all week all since week. last Saturday's victory. Um, Why were you upset after a victory? You should be happy. After I was a very happy, very very happy after the victory. But it was what I found out mainly the in the following two days on Sunday and Monday, um, and it res- it's tied to West Virginia's head coach Dana Holgerson um, in his press conference following their loss to Iowa State in Ames. He was very. He was very candid about how his team played and performed, um, calling their offense the worst offensive performance he's seen in 30 years, um, which, granted, they only had 150 yards of total offense. and that, That's not good. They, they, didn't, they didn't go past midfield after the first quarter. That, that's also not good. Yes, but as a leader and as a coach of a team – Personally, I don't think that would instill much confidence in me if I was a player for him. Um, With your coach making those types of comments, with him being the offensive-minded coach that he is, 
I do believe that he could have tried to have done something different in order to change the shape and the landscape of that game. If he is such a great offensive-minded coach like his reputation precedes him, I do believe that he could have changed something. And I don't think that's how you should handle a post-game interview. If you look at if you look at coaches like in the well, just take Big 12 coaches for example. Bill Snyder, one of the most complimentary coaches of all He's time. He's so old he doesn't know how to get upset anymore. You're right. Well, if he gets upset, he's going to Pick a new give, example. If he's, Pick a new example. If he's going to get upset, he's going to give himself a heart attack and die, so he can't get upset. But Matt Campbell also is very complimentary of other teams and how well they played, how well they performed in games. And Mike Gundy... He's a man. Does, he, he's 40. He, well, actually, he's 51 now. That was 11 years he, ago. He's but. a little bit older than that, but he is very complimentary after... after um, even a loss and a win, Gary Patterson, Bob Stoops back when he coached for Oklahoma, even Lincoln Riley does it now. I just think the way that Dana Holgerson handled himself in that postgame interview is not indicative of how a coach and a leader should handle um, a team and a locker room after after that type of a game. Uh, They went into their bye week, and in his press game conference, he said, Press game? What's a press or game? In the in the press conference after the game, sorry, post game press conference. There you go. Well he done. he said that he was not going to give them any days off after that loss, and after that loss, I'd be, I would be, as a head coach, I would probably give them at least a day off and say, hey, we need to regroup and recoup a little bit, and then we're going to get back at it. And he just. He didn't give any credit to the Iowa State defense at all for playing a very good game. He even brought up that our defense looked absolutely terrible against Oklahoma State when we gave up over 40 points to them. Well, it 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 did look terrible. It did Oklahoma look it State, did look so bad. He's not wrong. He wasn't wrong, but it just wasn't the correct way to go about it and it it made me upset. It got me a little bit heated while I was watching some of his comments post game. Well, or you, during that week after yeah, after his press these, conference. These comments were all on Tuesday during the uh, coaches' vir- virtual interviews with all of the Big 12 media. Not all things. not all of them were. I actually watched the video from his... Oh, some of them were post-game, Some too. of them were from... Uh, actually, the majority of the comments that I watched, at least, on video were from the post-game interview with him. Okay, I didn't ever see that one. I just saw the one the one on Tuesday with the with the conference media. But so that's that's why Kyle is upset this week. Is that the only reason Kyle's upset this week? Are there more reasons that Kyle's upset this week? Do you want to talk about anything else with your life that's making you upset at the moment, Kyle? Oh, oh, oh we got it. Are we good to move on to talk about real football again? That was football related. Kind of, but not really. We we good? Can we can we move on? We can we can move on. I was okay. also upset about the Chiefs loss last week, but yeah, we'll we'll it's get okay. we'll, we'll get over we'll that. get to that and write that down later. So stay tuned for that. But so this uh this upcoming Saturday we got a big Cyclones game coming up uh, homecoming game here in Ames against uh, Texas Tech. Do you want to give us uh, what some of your keys to victory might be for the uh, Cyclones against Texas Tech uh, this weekend? Yeah, so Texas Tech um, apparently has a defense now that is much much improved over their few years past. Um, 
They're able to stop some of the Big 12 offenses. They held TCU to 14 points, although TCU of late, their offense hasn't looked great. Um, and their Texas Tech's offense is able to score the ball. So I think my keys to a victory are David Montgomery. I think David Montgomery is going to have to run the ball well and effectively to keep Texas Tech's offense off the field. Um, I believe that David Montgomery running the ball will open up the deep throws for Brock Purdy. So I think Brock Purdy will have to be able to complete those deep passes in order to open up some of the short game and the ground game as well. So my keys to victory are David Montgomery running the ball effectively with offensive line with the offensive line making their blocks that they have to and Brock Purdy being efficient. I think we need to see him pushing the ball down the field and being efficient with his deep ball throws this week. Yeah, I think I oh my goodness. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think I agree with that as far as uh your keys. I would just add one key on the defensive side of the ball. I think the secondary play has to uh continue to be doesn't have to be as stellar as it was against West Virginia, but I think the secondary play is going to uh, continue to be a key to this uh, Iowa State season, especially against Texas Tech. Uh, if the, if Texas Tech's defense really is as good as it's played these last couple of weeks, we're going to need to keep it uh, a lower-scoring affair if we're going to want to uh, want to come out with a W. So I think the secondary playing well, limiting big plays from the uh, Texas Tech pass game, is going to be a big key for uh gonna be a big key for getting a cyclone W on Saturday. But also I think especially those deep balls, Hakeem Butler has been really good on deep throws, either finding a way to catch him contested or at least drawing penalties on those deep balls, which have been really good to uh sustain drives and get some good chunk yardage for the Iowa State offense. So I think Hakeem Butler continuing to uh dominate downfield is another big key for the uh for Iowa State's chances to uh to come out to come out with a win at the homecoming game on Saturday. A good news is for this homecoming game on this Saturday, it is still October. Matt Campbell is so far the king of October and so of the so has the Iowa State football program. So we hope to see that trend continue. In the month of October, we still have a lot of other football that is happening. Um, most of those games are played on Sunday, occasionally Thursday and Monday as well. But sometimes in London. I sometimes must, in I London. Don't like that. Too early. Don't oh, don't like those. I don't get up in time to check my fantasy football lineup. Mike, are you upset before an eight thirty game? On did did you forget to pull somebody I, I who was out for, this week? I didn't forget to pull somebody. He was healthy when I went to bed, and he was out when I woke up. And his game started before I woke up. He was, so I couldn't pull him. He was questionable when you went to bed. Well, yeah, but he's Melvin Gordon. He's gonna play. He's Melvin Gordon, and then he. Was out before I woke up and the game started. Well, you got a big fat zero from. I was going to lose anyway in that league, so it doesn't matter. So the one a a very exciting game that came down to the wire. uh, The Dallas Cowboys um, were down by ten with under four minutes left in the game. Four or five minutes left in the game. Um, They they drive. They score a touchdown. Um, They're able to hold the Redskins and get the ball back. They get the ball back, and then they drive down and get stopped on third down. So they're in a fourth down situation, and they have a 47-yard field goal coming up. But then their center, their long snapper, gets a snap infraction and backs him up five yards. So what was a 47-yard field goal became a 52-yard field goal. And what does their kicker do? 
Off the upright. Off the upright. So the no Cowboys, Cowboys lose. lose again. America's team, I still question that. Down to three and four on the year for the Cowboys through seven weeks. That NFC East does not look good right now. I believe the uh, Redskins are leading it at four and two. Four and right two, now. yeah. The Redskins are on top of that division. Uh, in the NFC East as well, the Eagles got clipped by the Panthers today. Um, Mike, what's your what's your take on the Eagles, the defending Super Bowl champions? I really don't know what to think about the Eagles. Because from from week to week, they've just been super inconsistent as far as what part of the team is performing well. In one week, you've got the defense that gives up a ton of points to the Vikings. And you think the defense is the problem for this team. And that Carson Wentz coming back has been able to uh, figure everything out for the offense and that that's going good. But then you come for a week like this where the defense does fairly well for most of the game against Carolina. But the offense can't score enough points to end up winning the game. The Eagles can't just put a complete game together for uh, 60 minutes on both sides of the ball. And it's really hurting them. And at this point, there's no guarantee. I mean, that that NFC East is not a great division, so that's helping them. But they're sitting there at, at three and four right now, and there's certainly no guarantee that they're going to end up in uh, in the playoffs if they keep playing the way they are. they got to find a way to, to start putting complete games together in order to uh, end up with a chance when uh, when games start coming around in December, when it gets close to playoff time, if they want to put themselves in a position where they at least have the chance to uh, make it back to the playoffs and uh, maybe back to the Super Bowl. But they did have they did lose Jay Ajayi to a season-ending injury, which was on Wyatt's fantasy team. Doesn't help your offense to lose a, a runner like Jay Ajayi, even if he's somebody that you just kind of stole from the Miami Dolphins last season at the trade deadline. Still don't know why Miami agreed to that. Highway trade, but. robbery, but that's a different subject. The Eagles, they still have two running backs who are competent. Corey Clement and Wendell Smallwood are able to handle the workload in splitting the time together. And Zach Ertz and Alshon Jeffrey have just been pretty incredible. Alshon Jeffrey has been good. Uh, ever since coming back from his injury to start the season, I just think that I—I I mean, Carson Wentz threw a costly interception at the end of the game this week, but I—I don't—I don't know what to make of them right now. The their inconsistency isn't going to help them make the playoffs. Another team who is being very inconsistent right now are the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, played a home game against the Houston Texans today and the Jaguars end up replacing Blake Bortles with Cody Kessler uh, after being down 20 to nothing in that game. And what, what is that quarterback situation going on from here? Do you have any opinion on that, Mike? Yeah, I don't know what I've, I've never known what to think of Blake Bortles, right? He's, he's never been a star in this league, but he, last year he was good enough and that defense for the Jaguars was good enough that they were able to uh, able to carry him to the AFC Championship game, and they gave New England a real run for their money in that AFC Championship game last year as well. So Blake Bortles has shown that with a good enough defense, oh excuse me, with a good enough defense, he can uh, he can he can be a leader of a team and carry him a decent way into the playoffs, but. He's also shown on days like today where he just 
can be clueless sometimes and will get get pulled. It's not often you have a quarterback on a team that went to the AFC Championship game last year who subsequently gets benched by halfway through the year on the next year. So I really don't know. I think that the the Jaguars, are you've got to go back to Blake Bortles, right? You, Cody Kessler is not the solution to your problems in Jacksonville. You've got to go back to Blake Bortles next week and hope he can some find something to figure it out, figure out a way that you can maybe turn this season around somehow and still find a way to make the playoffs out there in the AFC. But I think it'll be helpful when they get Leonard Fournette back again. I think that'll relieve some of the pressure. I think Leonard Fournette is still a far superior back to TJ Yeldon, although TJ Yeldon has been very serviceable um, in his time replacing Leonard Fournette in pretty much every game so far this season. Um, but yeah, that defense hasn't been what it was last year they gave up over 40 points to the Cowboys they gave up um, a lot of yardage to the Chiefs and they gave up a lot of yardage to the Texans as well and the Texans offense isn't anything isn't a high-flying offense isn't anything spectacular um, but it's a it's still a good offense Deshaun Watson is a good quarterback but yeah Jackson I think Jacksonville has some troubles and I think I think they're gonna have to figure things out and it starts with their trip to London next week as well to play the Eagles. So that's a big game for both teams, I believe. Another crazy game had a crazy ending. Um, the Patriots versus the Bears. I wasn't here to watch the end of that game. Do either you, Mike, or Wyatt, do you want to comment on the end of that game? Oh, yeah, that was a really, 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 really good Bears way to end that game. Um the Bears had it. Do you recall, Mike, where they had the ball at? When they had the ball at about the uh, about their own forty yard line, with about uh, about six seconds left in the game, or something, down by a touchdown. I think it was two seconds down by a something touchdown. like that. One play left, essentially, is all they had. Into the fourth quarter, like Mike said, down by seven. Uh, Mitch Trubisky winds up absolutely throws the ball as hard as he can downfield, uh, except. He had a face right in front of his, or a hand right in front of his face. He couldn't see. He had a face in front of his. He had a face in front of his face, in front of his hand, in front of his foot. I don't know. (laughs) Was it inside of his face mask? That's a good question. That would be a penalty if it was. I would have thrown. They didn't throw a flag. I didn't see a flag, and I didn't see you throw one either. No, I didn't. Um, The Patriots had about six men down uh, downfield. Including Josh Gordon. They brought in Josh Gordon on defense to uh, play free safety there on the last play. They did. Anyway, the ball comes in. Um, I don't remember who caught it now. Kevin White. Was it Kevin White? Yeah. Oh, yeah, White was thrown in at that point. Uh, jumped up, caught the ball about half yard short of the goal line. Tried to turn and push into the goal, the end zone, and didn't make it. And got pushed back. And it was the end of the game. That was very sad because that was an amazing, amazing throw, amazing catch that was just too short. Just it's, it's just a Chicago Bears way to lose a game, just like it was against the Packers in week one where they had the Packers beat for most of the game. They were out playing them, and they let Aaron Rodgers come back and beat them. Just adds to the Bears finding new and creative ways to lose football games. Or last year at the end of the first half when they block a field goal, return it for what? <laughs> Al- 20, almost 80, a touchdown. Yards, almost a touchdown, only to on slow down and get stripped at the one-yard line going in. And yeah, it wasn't a touchdown. 
Go yeah. Bears. Yeah, the, the Bears The Bears have some dysfunction. They're looking a lot better this year, especially that defense is looking a lot better. But I think they're, they're still not quite ready to uh, to be a legit postseason contender. I think Mitch Trubisky is good, but he still has a little bit of work to put in before they uh, consider themselves a legit postseason contender, especially in a division where you've got the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest, one of the, if not the greatest quarterback of all time, and the Vikings, who've got a, a great defense, and Kirk Cousins, who's been very good at the quarterback position for them this year as well. I think the Bears are still just a little bit away from making that next step into real contention. Could they surprise in the second half? For sure. They're still, what, half a game, a game, something like that, out in the division, out in the, out in the NFC North. So they could definitely come back for sure. But that division is still wide open. For sure. I believe. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Really interesting for that division is the Packers. The next two games are on the road against the uh, Rams and Patriots. So it'll be really interesting to see if the Packers lose both of those games. They uh, And the Vikings have New Orleans at home next week. So there's some big games in the NFC North next week. I think it'll provide some good clarity into that division to see how, see how, it, see how that division might shake out come the end of the year. There was some other craziness to end games as well in this week of NFL football. Tons of games had crazy endings. I think in, there were about five of them. At the end of the uh, morning game uh, here in the United States, at least, the Chargers and the Titans were playing over in London. And at the end of the game, Tennessee had the ball. They drove all the way down. They scored a touchdown. to, And then they were, so they were down by one. And instead of electing to kick the extra point to tie the game and go to overtime, they decided to go for two. Their first play uh, and resulted in a defensive holding call. Uh, the pass was incomplete, so they got a redo from the one-yard line. And their next play, Marcus Mariota sails it about three feet over his receiver out of the back of the end zone. So Tennessee ends up losing that game rather than playing overtime, so... Uh, Mike Vrabel definitely decided to roll the dice there for Tennessee going for the win rather than settling for overtime. I, I think they should have gone into overtime. Tennessee definitely won that second half. The Chargers looked a little bit dysfunctional in the second half, but that's, that's a game of inches and that's what happens or game of feet in this case. Um, and then all it is football after all. You're so. right. You are right. But why do they measure everything in yards? Because a yard is three feet. You're right. Ooh, empirical. <laughs> there's, there's only two types of units. There's metric units and freedom units, and only one has taken a man to the moon. <laughs> and then the other game that had a crazy ending was in the 3 o'clock uh, game set. The Ravens scored a touchdown and were also down by a point, and they actually elected to kick the extra point, but... Mike, what was the result of that kick? He missed it. He missed it. Justin Tucker missed the extra point, and the Saints... First, first mixed, missed extra point of his entire career. Couldn't have come at a worse time. The Saints pulled out a victory, which leaves Drew Brees as one of... Three quarterbacks Three quarterbacks all time, all time to beat all 32 teams. That, or all 31 teams, I guess, that mm -hmm. he has played against. No, it would be all 32 teams. All 32. Yeah. Did he beat the Saints he did when beat he played the Saints with the Chargers? In the Chargers. Okay. Yeah, that, so that's why it's a distinction. I'm yeah. sure there are a lot of beaten 31, but yeah. 32 is so a he's, distinction. So he's beaten all 32 teams in the NFL, so leaving him in elite category. He also reached he, the oh, 500 
touchdown. Um, he has thrown for 500 touchdowns in his career, so he reached that mark, one of four, I believe, to reach that category. So That's true. He's still setting a lot of records this season. Um, also, but, yeah. fun trivia question. The first person listening to this podcast who can let one of us know through our social media that you'll get at the end of the game who the other two quarterbacks are that have beaten all 32 NFL teams will get a not-so-special prize. But you'll get a shout-out on the next show if you can be the uh, first one listening to this to tell us via our social media that why it'll give you at the end of the game who the other two quarterbacks to uh, beat all 32 NFL teams are. We can also give that information to you right now. Uh, if you want to tweet at Kyle, uh, his Twitter handle is at Kyle Mersh, or myself at Saxy Wyatt. Alternatively, you could also message us on Instagram. Uh, check us out at 8311cast, I believe is our handle. Correct me if I'm wrong. You right. Uh, Mike does not have a social media hashtag no, off the don't. radar. Um, yeah, you right. So hit one of us up. Alternatively, uh, alternative to the alternatively's, go to our website, 8311cast.fireside.fm slash contact. I think I got all those right. Continue on. I apologize for the interruption. We will we will also put we will also update those into the bio of our Instagram account and we might even make a special Twitter account just for this podcast so that you can send those all there and we can consolidate them all into one. We will transition into Mike's favorite sport. Go baseball. Baseball. Um so you might have seen game seven. Between I, the Dodgers and the Brewers. I didn't see most of it. I only saw the last two innings. But, you know, it was fun to watch. Uh, our, our last roommate, Josh, was uh, is a Brewers fan. And uh, let's just say he, uh, when I got back in about the eighth inning, he had uh, had a few, uh, few of his uh, team's favorite beverage at that point. So that was pretty interesting to watch him the last two innings. He was standing on a chair while uh, trying not to fall off. He almost fell off twice just in those last two innings. So, yeah, most of the Brewers fans are now at home crying in their beer and sad that their team did not make the World Series again. They, they're still in their drought. But moving on are the Dodgers and the Red Sox to the World Series. And looking at our board for our predictions of who would make the World Series... All four of us have struck out. Yeah, these are predictions that we made uh, before opening day last spring. Uh, Wyatt predicted that the Cubs would win the World Series. Eh. Josh predicted that the Brewers would win the World Series. Wah, wah. Kyle predicted that Houston would win the World Series. Uh, yeah, that was that was unfortunate. And I predicted that Cleveland would win the World Series. Wah, wah. Not so all teams that made the playoffs, but none of them made it to the World Series even. The Ast or the sorry, not the Astros. The Red Sox on their way to the World Series have were knocked off um, two teams who had won over a hundred games uh, during the regular season. That being the Astros and the Yankees. Well done. You've, I'm glad you could figure that out. Yep. Yep. Thank you. And no they they are the first team to do that since 2004 when the Red Sox did that as well. So there's a fun tidbit of information for you. Fun fact. So the Red Sox are going to throw uh, Chris Sale in game one of the uh, World Series. And uh, if you've been following, Chris Sale had an interesting week. He was hospitalized and missed game five of the, uh, 
Game Four, Game One of the games of the ALCS with some game sort four of and Game Five uh, with some sort of stomach infection. And the news came out here recently that reportedly he had an infection due to playing with his belly button ring. Well, the the story was that he got the infection from taking the belly button ring out every time he suited up for the game. So he didn't actually play with it in. So his infection came from him putting it back in um, after every game. So whether or not we believe that is the actual instance, uh, it is very it is a very interesting um, ailment and injury to keep you out of postseason baseball. Um, reports have been said that Chris Sale has uh, maybe – fudged on the truth of what his injuries have come from before but as of right now he is sticking to his story that he that a belly button ring caused inflammation and irritation on his stomach so he was unable to pitch in game four and was unavailable for game five as well so but he will be on the mound for game one so we'll have to keep uh keep seeing what unfolds as far as that's concerned to see if any uh details come out uh that would uh lead us to believe that that story is not true, but I guess we have to uh, accept that it's going to be true until uh, we hear we hear differently, but we'll have to see. Do we do we know yet who uh, the Dodgers are spinning for Game 1 as their pitcher? Has that been announced? The Dodgers are going to throw... Give me one second. No, they have not announced it yet. They have not announced That will be interesting to see who they pitch. Um, I was very impressed with Bueller... That's that's his last name. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, Walker Bueller. Bueller. Walker Bueller. Anybody uh, for Bueller? Bueller. Anybody? Anybody? Bueller. Um, I was very impressed with how well he pitched. Being a 25 year old rookie this season, um, very impressed with his poison uh, composure in a game seven of an NLCS. Um, I was just kind of sitting on the couch talking to my roommate Josh, saying. Um, well, he's only, he's only, uh, you know, three or four years older than us. What are we doing right now? Um, but it's, it's really interesting to see, um, how well somebody can pitch like that and how he can outduel somebody who has been in the league for, um, quite a few more years, uh, in reference to the Brewers starting pitcher who they started, who was Chassin, I believe in game seven. Yep. Yeah. So he he definitely won that pitching battle and the Dodgers the Dodgers bullpen outpitched the Brewers bullpen in game 7 which was surprising Joe Hader threw three really who, good innings who? Joe Hader right Hader Hayden Are you talking Hayden? about the Brewers guy? The Brewers guy. Josh Hader? Josh Hader? Josh Hader? Not Joe. Not Joe, Josh. Sorry. Good try. I apologize. You should. Uh, I don't really care about Brewers fans, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, I noticed so, that. So, yeah. So, he pitched three really good innings of baseball, but in the end, it was their bullpen who gave up the three-run home run to Yasiel Puig that really opened up the game. Um, and Puig had a very interesting post-game interview uh, with ESPN. Um, he, was, was it more interesting than Jimmy Butler's post-practice uh, press conference with ESPN? Post-practice antics? Yeah. Or just antics in general with the entire... Yeah. We're not going to talk about Jimmy Butler this week. 
look it up if you want to know more about Jimmy Butler. I'm sick of talking about him. That Mike was upset last week, so I had to be upset about something this week. But yeah, I I think that I think this this World Series is going to come down to offense um, and how I guess how pitching staffs can pitch around some of the offense as well. Um, Mookie Betts we might see at second base because. Um, JD Martinez, JD Martinez, Martinez needs a position. Needs a position to play because NL has weird rules where your pitchers have to bat instead of having a designated hitter. So, you know that means that JD Martinez can't be the designated hitter for the uh, three games that are going to be in LA. Mm-hmm. So Mookie Betts might have to play uh, second base so we can put JD Martinez in right field to get his bat in the lineup, which would be interesting to have him. He, Mookie Betts played no second base at all this year, so it'd be really interesting to see how. Uh, how he would do defensively at second base if he was just uh, just playing his first game of the season there in the World Series. That would be an interesting move by uh, Alex Cora to see if that works. So as the World Series is about to start, game one is Tuesday night. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think I believe game one is Tuesday night. Mike, what are what is your World Series prediction? Who do you I'm, think is going to win and how? In how many games? We'll we'll add that in there too. I'm going with uh, with uh, Red Sox and six. I'll be rooting for the Dodgers, but I'm going to go with Red Sox and six. Red Sox. Why? What makes you say Red Sox and six? What do you think will be the the factor, the key factor? Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts. I think is the key factor. I think he's uh, I think he's the best player on the field for either team. I think that's going to be the uh, factor that brings the Red Sox over the top. What about you, Kyle? What do you think uh, for your prediction? I'm going to go, man, I'm going to go Red Sox in seven. I think I think that it's going to be pretty even. And since Kershaw and uh, Chris Sale probably will not be throwing on the same night, I think that that will extend this series to seven games. Um, and I, I think we'll see Chris Sale in Game 7, and I think that will be the reason why the Red Sox pull it out in seven games. I think he will pitch probably two innings to close it out, similar to what Madison Bumgarner did in 2014 for the Giants. Um, I think the Red Sox offense is going to be hot. I just think that uh, there will be times when the Dodgers offense is able to keep up, if not outscore. And I think when Clayton Kershaw pitches, I think Clayton Kershaw will get the best of the Red Sox lineup. Um, so I'm, I'm going to say Red Sox in seven, but I think it'll be a really close series and I'm rooting for a game seven, game seven of the world series. Nothing better. Yeah. Hopefully we'll be able to watch it. That would be a fun game. How about you, Wyatt? What is your world series prediction? <laughs> Sox four. What? Yeah. Sweet. Four. 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 Why do you think, say that? I don't think the Dodgers are all the cracked up to be. I, they were really hot towards the end of the series with the Brewers and this huge break before the World Series, I think, is really going to kill our motivation. I think the Sox got it, win it all in four. There you have it, folks. There's our hot take of the night coming from Wyatt Teeter. Oh, boy. Wow. Wowie. Sox in four. You heard it here, folks. Um, Mike and I are going for the long series. I think that's really exciting for baseball. Um, yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I guess a four-game sweep would be interesting as well. But I don't really we'll want see. it to happen. I would definitely prefer to have a seven-game World Series. That is one of the most exciting things in baseball. But 
I just don't think it's going to happen this year. So, Mike, last week we, you uh, <clears throat> really tested our knowledge for um, some of your hockey rules that you know very well. Um, no, that, that was two weeks ago. Or two weeks ago. I Get apologize. Your right. I apologize. It wasn't a date. It was just a time reference. Um, we'll get it right. You're bad. So a couple weeks ago, apparently two, according to Mike. Two. Look you, it up. Go you, back and go back and re-listen us. to you the can, podcast. You can hold off. You need to save your voice. Uh, My voice is fine, thank you. No, it's not. Um, you, yes, it is. You said that we did not know hockey rules very well. Um, so apparently, you have a stupid rule to show uh, to tell us about this week. So, what is your one stupid rule? Yeah. So this is going to be a new weekly segment on 8311 Cast. It's going to be Mike sharing a uh, hockey rule with uh, hockey rule or some other obscure sports rule with uh, with Wyatt, Kyle, and uh, all of you every week. The only way I could get them to agree to let me do it is if we called it the Mike's Stupid Rule segment. It's stupid with two O's, not stupid with a U. Oh, I, get it I, right, Mike. Get it right. P-I-D. So that's what it's called. But anyway, so we're going to start. We're going to talk about the rule of offsides in hockey this week. So believe it or not, yes, you can be offsides in hockey. So if you look at a hockey rink, right, you've got three main lines. So you've got the center line, right, in the middle of the, in the, middle of the floor. And then you've got two blue lines that uh, separate the attacking third for each team from the middle. So you've got three lines there on the ice. So the offsides, in order to stay onsides in hockey, you can't enter, excuse me, <clears throat> you can't enter the attacking third of the ice until the puck is all the way across that blue line onto the attacking third. So you have to stay on you have to have at least some part of your of your body on the ice on either on the blue line or on the uh, on the center ice portion of the rink until the puck is completely inside your offensive zone in order to not be considered offsides so if so if you are in completely inside or if even if you're like above the blue line when the uh when the puck enters the offensive zone, you will be considered offsides. So the uh, the uh, penalty for being offsides is that there is a face-off that happens just outside of your offensive zone. So if you get called for offsides, play stops, and it resumes with a face-off just outside your offensive zone. Does that rule make Does that rule make sense? Do you now understand what offsides is in hockey? I assume it's really similar to offsides in soccer. Correct. Yeah, it's similar to except in soccer, offside depends on the position of the defenders, where in hockey, offsides just depends on the position of of you and the puck relative to that blue line on the ice is the only thing that matters for the uh, for offsides in hockey. One part of of your body has to be on or behind the blue line in order to not be called offsides when the puck enters the offensive zone. Interesting. Thanks for sharing that stupid rule with us, Mike. Kyle, do you have any questions about it? I know you were really focusing in on that and extremely interested on what Mike was saying. This was the most interesting segment of our podcast for this week. Um, I am rolling my eyes as I speak. Hey, you don't know that. We still have one more segment to get to. You're right. So moving on to our next segment. Thank you, Mike, for that stupid I'm I'm educating you. I'm, I'm making y'all smarter. I'm sharing my 
vast knowledge as with everybody else. You should all be grateful. Thank you, Mike. So moving on into our Write That Down segment of the show, everybody's favorite segment. Mike, did we have any come off the board this week? We had, Do we have any updates to share? We had four predictions come off the board this week. We're going to start with uh, Kyle Mersh. Kyle Mersh. Kyle Mersh uh, had one prediction. So this was a prediction that was not shared on 8311 cast. Kyle was uh, watching the end of the uh, Chiefs game yesterday or last week after we recorded, and he got uh, he got very pessimistic. Oh, I, I forgot about this one. <laughs> and uh, before the Chiefs' last couple drives, and there was about six minutes left in the game, Kyle got pessimistic and told me to uh, write this down that Pat Mahomes would throw an interception before the end of the game. He did not do that. So despite the Chiefs still losing, Kyle also got to write that down prediction wrong. So Kyle's prediction was Pat Mahomes will throw an interception before the end of the game. And for that, he gets a nah. Oh, that was awful. I apologize <laughs> for making you listen to that. Oh, that was gross. Kyle, I think you should be the buzzer for the yeah, rest of the show. Yeah, you're going to be the buzzer. Please. I will be the buzzer for the rest okay. of the show. Next prediction to uh, come off the board was one that I <laughs> my prediction from uh, the uh, episode last week where I predicted that the Packers would lose to the 49ers on Monday Night Football. That should have happened. The 49ers gave him a run, but you get a big ol' eh. I do. I do. The other two predictions that we had come off the board were from our uh, our. Our fourth roommate, Josh, who made one prediction uh, during the during the month of September that the Brewers would win the World Series. And he also made a prediction before the uh, NLCS started that the Brewers would sweep the Dodgers in the NLCS. So uh, all four of our predictions that came off the board this week were uh, all losses. But we're going to keep coming at you with these predictions to uh, see if we can hopefully get better as the year goes on. Kyle, do you yeah, want to lead so us off? Our, our episode four predictions, we have – so my prediction just to kick us off is that uh, Bill Snyder, as you all know, is getting old. And I do believe that this is the year that he will finally retire. I believe that he – with the team that he has this year, um, especially if they maybe don't make a bowl game, I do believe this is the year that Bill Snyder will hang up those those white sneakers, that windbreaker, and he will finally give rest to his uh, aide that he has to have who walks around with his headset all game. So, Quick clarification. If Bill Snyder dies before the end of the season... I was about to ask oh, this no. question, or by the way. before he can officially retire, does that... Count for Kyle's prediction. That, that would not count. That would not count. It, Bill, Snyder, Bill Snyder has to actually retire at the end of the season for this to count. Perfect. And that that's not retiring to a grave. That's that's retiring and going and just retiring. So Also, right. I've, I've been informed by, uh, by Josh that I got one of his predictions on. His prediction was that the Brewers would go to the World Series, not win it. Either way, he's wrong. But Either way, that receives a... And he, he told me I needed to clarify that. He, uh, he wrote it on some post-it notes and showed it to me here. He's got a bonus buzzer out of that one. Mm-hmm. Why? What's your prediction for the... Oh, yeah, we got to decide who we'll give. I would give Kyle a double for that prediction, I think. What do you think about that, Wyatt? Uh, I think that's fair. I think, I think a double would be good for that. Actually, Mike, how about you go? Oh, I guess, I guess I'm you. going next. All right. So my prediction for the week, I'm, I'm going to stay in baseball because, like we said, baseball is my favorite sport. 
I'm going to predict that uh, former Royal and Brewer Mike Moustakis will uh, sign with the Minnesota Twins in the offseason. That is what my write that down prediction is going to be. And I totally didn't steal that from anybody. So if anybody tells you that I did, they're lying. What, what's going to happen to big boy, uh, big boy, um, 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 you can come the, up with the, his name. Yeah. Miguel Sano. Yeah. Miguel Sano. Uh, I think that he'll transition to, uh, being a uh, majority of first baseman next year. I think he's, uh, better suited for that as far as body type is concerned. You don't see too many, uh, 270 pound third basemans around. So. No, but you do see those big men at first base, a.k.a. True that. Prince Fielder. So what are we going to give Mike on this one? Single? Double? Uh, I don't think it warrants anything above a double, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not feeling really strong, I'm not, by the way. What a rock, no. paper, scissors for it? Yeah. So right. if, if if I win, he gets no, a double. I'm doing no, this. If, if Mike wins, he gets a double. If Wyatt wins, he gets a single. And rock, paper, paper, scissors, shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Yes! Mike did win, so Mike gets a double for that one. All right. All right. Um, uh, hold on. Before Wyatt makes his prediction, we have a uh, – we have a. oh, no. Wyatt's going to make his prediction next. I, I'm, I'm wrong. Wyatt's going to make his prediction here. Yeah, so my prediction is actually really, really exciting, I think. Um, it's that Cyclone Basketball will make it into the Elite Eight during the NCAA uh, championship tournament. Thing in March. March Madness, the Cyclones are going to the Elite Eight. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give him a triple for that one. That's what I was gonna say for that too. I, th- I think, I think that's a triple. a triple. I think if you said they had that they would win the national championship, I'd give you a home run. That's um, not gonna happen though. I don't think that yeah, that that's yours is a little bit of a long shot as well, but I would give you a triple for that one. Alright. Alright, I'll take a triple on that. And now uh, we do have one more write that down prediction with uh, our special guest star. Not really a star, no offense, because nobody here is a star. Let's be real. Our I'm a star. Guest, you guys just don't know it yet. You're not a star, Mike. Our special guest, our fourth roommate of 8311, our apartment, Josh Lang. You want to go ahead with your... Uh, woo! Go, Josh! Yeah! Woo! <laughs> go ahead with your prediction, Josh. All right. Uh, my prediction for this week is that... The Packers are going to finish the season at nine six and one. For clarification, what is the Packers' current record? Uh, is uh, if I believe at three two and one. Yes, that's correct. So the Packers are three two and one. So the Packers will win six more games, and they will only lose. You said nine six and one. They will only lose four more games. So six and four in their final ten games. That is Josh's write that down. What what do we decide to give him? I would give him a triple for that for you give him predicting a predicting an exact record like that. Yeah, I would give him a triple. I uh, once you explained it to me, yes, I will I will agree with you. I was leaning towards double, but you explained it. Wow. I, I'm on your side. I was really leaning towards four home run. Oh, oh. you want to give him a home run for that? It's that's so interesting. Specific. It is I, very specific. It's just not gonna happen. It. The, the prediction in of itself isn't necessarily outlandish. It's that he specified the counts. I, I just I don't see it happening. I think I think a triple would be more fair, but I totally see this going as a home run as well. Well, we have a we have a two to one for triple right now. Do we? Are we going to settle on triple? Or I, are we going to? I think we should run? settle on triple. Let's settle on triple. I'm okay with that. Settled on triple. All right. I think that concludes our write that down predictions. Yeah. I believe so. 
Do we have anything else? I think that's the end of our uh, fourth episode of uh, 8311 cast. I think you're right. I just want to double check y'all didn't have anything else to add into this. I, I do think this brings <coughs> brings our our uh, content to a close for episode four. So. You bet. And uh, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the 8311 cast. Tune in every Monday for a new episode. Uh, check out our feed on iTunes, Spotify, and uh, Google Play. Find us on Instagram, like I said earlier in the day, at 8311cast. Uh, signing off for the 8311 <laughs> well cast is... Kyle Mersh. Be sure to check us out on our 8311cast Instagram. We will update all of our information for our social media profiles as well as our website. Go and check it out there if you missed it and you didn't pause, and we will have it all set up for you there. Uh, Mike Ludwig also signing off. If you want to get a hold of me, if you don't know me personally, you're going to have to uh, comment message at i8311cast Instagram or Kyle on Twitter if you want to get to me and tell me that I'm the best and a star like they refuse to recognize. And me, also not a star, Wyatt Teeter. Just like everybody else here, nobody's a star. Also, if you have anything else to add, if you want anything to appear on our podcast, any information, any hot topics, any content at all, please let us know through our social media outlets as well. We are always welcoming suggestions. Yeah, way to put it. Thanks again to our special guest, Josh Lang. Um, Thanks again for listening to this slightly abnormally extended episode of the 8311 cast. I think we're running a bit a bit long today but that's all right it's kyle's fault thanks for listening we'll talk to you next week boo kyle bye